Scholastic Public Radio, a series of podcasts specifically designed to build your product knowledge and enhance your selling strategies. Today, we're continuing our series on consultative sales strategies and virtual selling skills. Our topic today is preparation, question planning, and solution positioning. This, of course, is essential for moving the sales process forward and closing the sale. I'm Rebecca Danilchak, Director of Learning Design and Professional Learning, and joining me today is Tracy Schultz, Account Executive for Wisconsin and Illinois, and Gina Kuchta, AE for Northern Virginia and D.C. Welcome, Tracy and Gina. Thanks, Rebecca. I'm excited to be here today. Me too. I'm really looking forward to the conversation. Well, we are excited to have you both, and we asked you both to join us today for this conversation because you have had significant success over the last few months in getting meetings, effectively preparing for them, and then positioning solutions that resulted in sales. In our recent conversations, excuse me, you both have shared some of the strategies that you put into place. And I know some are consistent with what you were doing before schools closed and some you've put into place in response to the pandemic. So I want to talk about both of those with you today. Um, But just like our previous podcast with Tommy Brown and TJ Mears, I would like to start by asking you both about the strategies you're using to secure meetings. So basically, if you could tell us what has been successful for you, especially now when you really can't do any work in person. Well, sure. I'll start, Rebecca. Um, I've been pretty successful in getting emails through email outreach. And I I find that I've been doing what both Tommy and I had talked about in the previous podcast. And that is that I'm thoughtful about how much and how often I'm reaching out to the same customers. I also try to vary my outreach between district and um, to school-based purchasing. I actually have a couple of districts that are pretty large that have um, site-based purchasing. And, you know, I try to decide um, based on what might be a good fit for them at the time. And what I mean by that is timeline. So when the pandemic first hit, you know, there was a lot more questions I feel than there are now about what schools are doing. They had to transition pretty quickly to learning at home, as did Scholastic. So that was really the target of a lot of our outreach, the learn at home site, and how we can reach students at home. I think we're now kind of transitioning um, from or then we kind of transitioned into summer. So we worked a lot around targeting emails to my book summer and grab and go and I think now we're kind of transitioning into what back to school might look like and really kind of focusing on that learning gap that is certainly going to be a result of what's happened here Um, you know I think a lot of schools are also maybe looking at a blended model so a lot of emails are also going to focus on digital Um, you know this also goes with what Tommy and TJ had talked about too consistent follow-ups And I've also looked at reworking previous opportunities that might now fit a different model that schools are looking at. Tracy, what's been? Um, I totally agree with everything you've said, Gina. And in fact, before the pandemic, I have done emails consistently just to keep my name in front of people. And it's how I get a lot of my meetings. And so I've been at Scholastic for about three and a half years, and I've compiled this crazy spreadsheet with a lot of tabs, but I basically have all my superintendents' emails, all my curriculum directors. I have a tab of special ed directors. I have a tab of principals. So for me, I can shoot off an email that'll get to about 800 people. 
And so I just kind of started like right when the first week after school shut down, just saying, I'm here if you need anything, let me know how I can help and, and things like that. And the response was amazing. Um, and it wasn't just from people that are, you know, my friends, it was from people at large districts that I've never heard from before. Um, and now we've built great relationships through this. So I think the thing is to just stay in constant contact with the customers because things are changing so much every single day in every state on like what they're going to be doing for fall. And I mean, and they're finalizing summer right now, but if, if you keep in constant, constant touch with them, they're going to reach out when they need something because they're going to think of us first. Yeah. So that strategy, I know, really paid off for you, Tracy, specifically in Green Bay. So can you tell us a little bit about that specific sale? Yeah. So that, that was, um, amazing because it was the executive curriculum director who, like I said, I do emails every couple of weeks before this happened and I've never heard from her ever. And I sent my first one like the week after school shut down, just saying, I'm here for you. We can do take home books for kids. This is before I even knew what grab and goes were. And so she emailed and said, we need help. Can, can we set up a time to talk? And so we had a meeting. I invited Pam to that call and she invited a couple people and I had no idea where it was going to go. And, um, it, it turned out to be, it's over a half million dollar sale. Um, that, that, that was basically started with grab and goes and we've been doing different phases for them, but I mean, it was amazing and they wanted to do something immediately for their kids. And it, Tony Abrams helped, Pam Allen helped, and we've been able to do so much to get get books to kids during this time. That's fantastic. Um, and I, I love that story that you, you did really have a connection with them initially when this all started. But um, you talked about bringing in Pam Allen for that Green Bay conversation. So I wanted to ask you both. Um, as you're planning for these customer meetings, who are you engaging in the process? And, and what are some of your best practices for determining who attends and what roles they're playing? Um, Gina, you want to start with that one? Well, sure. I mean, since I am relatively new to Scholastic, I haven't even been here a year yet. I think I'm still on six months or so. Um, I really <laughs> rely heavily on a lot of our internal team members, um, you know, specifically, I have relied a lot on Lisa Thomas because I currently have an adoption that has um, come to fruition during this craziness. And I also have another large district in Virginia that is actually still moving forward with their curriculum review process. Um, and with that position or with that opportunity in particular, um, you know, before the craziness hit, I actually had the um, pleasure and I was lucky to have Lisa in my territory. So we were able to actually meet with a couple of people that were kind of starting that adoption process. But then once the pandemic hit, they found that they had a little more time to do some reviewing and they invited another one of their team members that's going to be integral in the review wanted to meet as well to learn have that person learn a little bit more about scholastic literacy and give themselves like a refresher course on it so you know I reached out to Lisa um, we reviewed the focuses that the district wanted to focus on we kind of um, talked about what pieces Lisa would share um, 
digitally with them as part of like a, you know, a PowerPoint presentation, but we didn't go through a formal presentation. It was kind of just like a loose digital conversation, but we wanted to have some resources available. Um, you know, and she and I just really shared um, some ideas about how we could best convey scholastic literacy digitally, you know, because there are so many pieces to it um, with those shareholders. Um, you know, another instance that we had when the pandemic hit, Kimber and I were actually supposed to do a presentation and introduce RISE to people at the conference. But of course, that conference didn't happen. The organizers quickly transitioned to a digital format. Um, and it just wasn't the right thing to do a RISE introduction. So we, you know, we, we transitioned and actually we asked Pam Allen if she would not mind doing a session on tips and tricks um, for running at home, uh, which would not have been appropriate at an in-person <laughs> conference, but was super appropriate, you know, at a virtual conference. You know, Kimber and I probably could have still done that, but we really thought that the name recognition and the star power that Pam brings to the table was really going to help attract more attendees in a virtual setting, which is different than an in-person, um, and really give Kimber and I some more leads. Um, Tracy, I know you had some success that you mentioned with bringing Pam in to the Green yeah. Bay situation. Yeah. Do you want to expand on that a little more? Yeah. Um I work, I tend to work a lot with Pam. Um, so she's, she tends to be my go-to person. And when Green Bay reached out to me, I had no idea, you know, even what they were thinking. I did not know, you know, much about their situation. And so I just invited Pam, not sure if they were going to be thinking towards summer. Um, and, and basically, um, you know, they told us right away that 60% of their kids um, are below poverty and do not have internet and they can't do remote learning and it's not equitable, equitable. And Pam was like, I've been saying that all along. So we started off with the grab and go. And, you know, prior to that, Pam and I had just talked a little bit about what I knew about the district and they were just excited to have her on the call, an expert in the field. And, um, it just went from there and then we've worked with them on different phases. So we did an initial get these books to kids. And then after that, we've done custom packs, we've done high school packs and things like that. But Pam coming in and really talking to them about the right book for the right level was really what helped um, get the sale. So it, it sounds like the people you guys are bringing in and the meeting prep you're doing with them and kind of preparing, giving them background and all the pertinent information um, is really setting you up for success in these meetings. So let's talk for a few minutes about the meeting follow-up and how you move from those conversations and the questioning that you're doing with the, the customer to proposing those possible solutions. Um, so I know, Tracy, for example, you, you were able after that conversation to go right to the grab and go books. But I think that sometimes, you know, we have those great conversations, we get a lot of good information, but that next step um, may be challenging in figuring out how to do that. But yeah. I think our customers, you know, expect us to be able to share those solutions or they wouldn't have taken the time to meet with us in the first place. They know that there's, you know, there's something that we can offer or they're hoping there's something we can offer 
Um, and unless they're new, you know, to their leadership roles in the district or something like that, they've been through the sales process before and they have some expectations for how things are going to progress. So any thoughts on that transition, that next step? Well, I think right now, I mean, everyone is juggling so many things and you'll talk to a customer and they're on Zoom meetings all day. So I really believe right now, if someone reaches out to you and has a Zoom meeting with you, they have a need. Um, They might not know exactly what they need for that need, but if they're not talking to you just to have a get to know you meeting, they're talking to you because they have a problem and they need our help solving it. Yeah, absolutely. So it, I feel like right now it's it's somewhat easier even to go right from the conversation to the, the solution, right? To be able to say, we have something for you and here's what it is and how it works. Um, so that, yeah, that makes perfect sense. Um, Gina, any thoughts on that? I know you've had some kind of different experiences, especially around scholastic literacy. Yeah, thanks for asking, Rebecca. Um, you know, I found that as salespeople, we always focus on listening, like that is ingrained in us. But I really think that this um, pandemic and this situation, we're having more phone conversations, even if we're not having Zoom meetings, which really forces us to listen more so to what the customer is saying. And you can really sometimes pick up on what they are saying in between the lines. So, you know, yes, I have this literacy adoption going on in Manassas City in Virginia. Um, But we were working through some logistics about getting it going. And my contact, who is new to her position, was saying, you know, I want to be the first one who really focuses on special education and make sure that they get everything they need. And I really need to do some work on our Spanish immersion program. And so we just talked a little bit more about that. And from me asking her some questions, that she did have an additional need to scholastic literacy, we were able to put together custom curated Spanish books, libraries that will match the scholastic literacy read aloud books. So her Spanish emergent teachers will have the books right away that they need to be teaching the same skills and strategies that her um, English students will be having. Um, So that's going to be an additional sale for us year after year as their program grows. So I worked with Ask on that to get some special item numbers for those curated collections. So it'll be easier for us and for them to order again in the future. That's great. So clearly listening carefully made a huge difference there and allowed you to position something that we might not have even thought of before. Um, So that brings me to a question about, you know, in this current environment, you're not able to take in samples or sit around a table and have the discussion about that solution like we maybe were able to do previously. And, you know, we can still do those formal presentations, but they're slightly different through WebEx or Zoom. So how are you actually sharing our solutions with our customers so that they can really get a feel for what we do? What's been most effective for you? So I'm going to jump back to, you know, when I brought Lisa Thomas in for that meeting with Prince William We had, as I mentioned, met with some of them earlier, but, you know, since that time, since scholastic literacy is still evolving and we now have our phonics readers, there are things that we can offer that I wasn't able to even leave behind when we met in person. 
I've been finding that a great hybrid approach is working for leaving samples or leaving information. And what I mean by that is when we get off that meeting, you know, there were things that we were able to send them digitally. So I worked with Colleen Schumacher and she was able to create a password protected Dropbox for them for some items to access digitally. Um, I also utilize the information and the resources I have in my storage unit and just put together through an organized way with some stickies of things that I wanted them to pay attention to as they were reviewing at their homes. Um, you know, the ladies were nice enough to so I was able to utilize the good old U.S. Postal Service and just send some actual hard copy mm -hmm. samples to them. And then I also was able to utilize the teacher store to send them samples of one grade level of full teacher guides. So they, in their review, could use all three methods to really get a good idea of what scholastic literacy is all about. That's great. Tracy, have you been doing anything different um, than that? Basically, I've been doing a lot of flyers, brochures through email. Um, I've been trying to sample through the teacher store when they need actual um, samples. Um, but the other thing I do is I kind of share with districts that are struggling what other districts are doing to kind of help them and put some kind of ideas in their head too. So for example, when the pandemic started, some schools were gonna be giving away books when kids did meal pickup. So that was an idea I shared with other districts. So I think it's kind of just also watching like the news for your area and staying up to date and then sharing things that people nearby are doing. Um, and then they, you know, they kind of want to be a part of it too then. Yeah, they don't necessarily have to see the books, right? They just know that um, it's been successful for someone else and see what's happening there. And that's, that's yeah. sufficient. Yeah. So Gina, um, you've talked a little bit about Manassas throughout our conversation, their ELA adoption. But one of the things you shared with us the other day that I thought was interesting is, you know, that this was... Um, something that you had started prior to all of this happening with the shutdowns, but that you were able to move this sale through to the end um, during the process. Anything you want to add about the Manassas story and how you kind of continued the sales process and were able to to bring it to close? Sure. I mean, I have to be honest, Rebecca, I don't think I did anything super special with them here, um, but some things that I did focus on, you know, as you had mentioned, the process had started previous to the pandemic. So we were able to give them actual samples. We were able to go in and do a live presentation with their committee, but the decision had not yet been made which way they were going when the pandemic hit. Um, so, you know, I had just reached out to my contact and just, it was good old customer service, immediately reached out to her because I knew that all of our partners were struggling with moving to be working from home because that's not something they're typically used to. So I wanted her to just know that I was still there for her, um, asked her if she needed anything from me to finish this review process. You know, was there anything that you left at your office that I can send to you that you find that you might need? 
Um, and she did ask me to, she's like, I can't get these, you know, a teacher's set. Can you send this to me? Because we're, you know, still reviewing a particular grade level. So I was happy to send that to her, to her home address. Um, you know, she had to make several presentations to her academic committee and had to make the recommendation um, to adopt scholastic literacy to her board virtually. You know, and as I had mentioned earlier, this is her first year. So before those presentations, I again reached out to her, do you need anything so you feel comfortable and confident going in to make this presentation? And um, she didn't, she said she had everything that she needed. And, you know, I, I do wanna draw just attention to a silver lining about all of this virtual work is, you know, I know when we're in the field, we try to attend board meetings to help get information or, really follow up on something that we're following closely, but it's been really nice that you can just attend a board meeting virtually. And with this one, I was able to attend and I know Lisa Thomas attended as well. Um, and if we were in normal times, I don't think that Lisa would have been able to attend. So it really just highlights and accentuates the team effort that's really gone into closing this sale. Yeah, that's a great example, Gina. Um, and I think pointing out the silver lining is also <laughs> especially helpful right now. We talked, I think, a little bit with TJ and um, Tommy last week about, you know, they have more time at home now to do the research and prepare for the meetings. But I think this is a great example of how during the sales process, once you've had the meeting and you've done the samples and you've done the presentations, you can still, um, through this virtual environment, stay connected through the sales process. So that's a great example. Um, so clearly you both have brought a lot of knowledge and experience to these conversations with your school and district partners and have resulted in successful sales. So congratulations to both of you on that. Um, I also know though you've worked incredibly hard to adapt to the new selling environment and we just appreciate hearing about how you've done that. So thank you, Gina and Tracy for sharing your strategies um, and how you telling us how you've moved these um, initial meetings to those presentations and then you know, the, the solutions and the sales that resulted from that. Um, we sincerely appreciate it. And then I just want to thank you, account executives, for tuning in to today's episode. Thanks, Rebecca.